there will be something in your life that you will base your entire life on. There will be something in your life that you will base your entire life on. For some people, it's the pursuit of money. And everything else is secondary to the pursuit of that finance. For others, it's romance. And everything else is secondary to the pursuit of that romance. For, for other people, it's, it's power, authority. And everything else is secondary to the pursuit of that. Others, it's health, it's children. It could be 100,000 things. But you will base your life on something. Now, here's the deal. If you base your life on the wrong thing, your life will find it out. And unfortunately, most people that I know don't find it out till the end of their life. Part of what I do is to sit with people as they're dying, like literally taking their last breath, literally taking their last breath. And they... And they confessed to me how they based their lives on something that wasn't worth their lives. All of us will make everything secondary to one thing. What's your one thing? God knows that there's going to be a desire in every one of us to want to focus our life on one thing, and God says, I got an idea, why not me? If you're going to pour all of your life into one thing, and our hearts are made to devote our lives to something, to academic excellence, to work improvement, to societal bliss, whatever it is, you're going to put your life focused on something. And God goes, why not me. Now, I promise you that this message is so important if you're in a marriage, if you're, in, if you're single, if you have grandkids, if you're really, really at the end of, like you're in the winter of your life, or, I mean, you're just like brand new, you're real young. Everyone points their life in a direction somewhere. And the way it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect the way you raise your kids. Have you ever seen a parent who you could clearly see the affection and the attention and the purpose of their life is given to the one kid? Have you ever seen that? Have, have, has that kid ever turned out well? When all of the attention, all of the affection, when my whole life is for this kid. Because whatever you point your life towards, whatever you point your life towards as the number one thing that's shy of who God is, that's not Jesus, will always disappoint, will always. Even if you point your life towards pleasure. Anybody here in their life had a season of their life where they pointed their lives towards pleasure? Okay, like maybe two or three of you. Okay, cool, right? Yeah, and, and what you said is, you know what brings me pleasure? What brings me pleasure is that drink or that drug or that relationship or that, that betting experience or that, 
that chocolate at 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, and that's the pleasure that I'm going to get. And you know what happens at the end of that, right? It doesn't end well. And so God, knowing this about us, says, come to me. Let me be the number one thing in your life. We're going to look at it, but the way God says it here is going to be absolutely mind-blowing. And so we're in a series. It's called The Heart Sayings of Jesus. And the heart sayings of Jesus are hard because of two reasons. Sometimes they're hard because they're complex. They're like, "Um, Jesus, could you explain that? Because that don't make no sense. And Jesus has to explain it. He has to dumb it down. He has to kind of put the cookies on the lower shelf for us to understand. And some of the hard sayings, the reason that they're hard is because they're all too clear. It's crystal what Jesus is saying. This is one of those crystal clear statements. Although it does need some explanation, to apply is something else. So we're going to be in the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor, a doctor who surrendered his life to Christ. So don't think that you, in order to be a Christian, you have to check your brains at the door. Luke wrote two of the most, two of uh, some of the most significant um, literatures in all the world. They're read by billions of people. Um, It's the book of Luke, not very creatively named, and then, and then the book of Acts both to this guy named Theophilus. He was trying to share with Theophilus about this new thing that had been birthed, this Christian movement. As he's sharing it, he comes to around chapter 14, which is where we're going to find ourselves today. And Jesus says something. He, He records Jesus saying something that is breathtaking. Now, One of the things that we do, we're going to read this together. One of the things we do at this church is we stand at the reading of God's word. And the reason that we do the standing is because we we want to be reminded that what God says is more important than what we say. Now, I know there's some of you here who are like, dude, I don't even believe in God's word. Okay, cool, fair enough. But in this church, we say, Okay, what God says is more important than what I say. What God thinks is more important than what I think. So we stand because we're reading his word and we're trying to respect and reverence it. But stick by. This is, I think, going to be, for everyone in this room, is going to be super important for all of our lives. We're going to read verses 25 through 27. Verses 25 through 27 in the book of Luke, chapter 14. And he says this. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Yeesh. Please, have a seat. What on earth is Jesus saying? Good night. Hate mom? Mom? Are you kidding? For some of us, it's interesting, right? For some of us, like, we come in here and it says, hate your mother and father, and we're like, too late. (laughs) Got that one covered. (laughs) That one was easy. (laughs) And then, 
And then for others, others of us, it's like, hey, man, that sounds a little extreme. Yeah, Jesus tends to be extreme at times. All right, let me give you some context of what's happening here and so that maybe you could follow along with the train of thought. Here's what's happening. Jesus was just recently in a Pharisee's house. In this Pharisee's house, he gives a parable, parable of the banquet. And what he says is, everybody, 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 come in the kingdom. Everybody, come in the kingdom. I want you, are you old? Come into the kingdom. Are you young? Come into the kingdom. Have you ruined your life? Come into the kingdom. Are you, are you uh, doing great? Come into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is for you. You do not have to qualify. It's an invitation that I give. Come into the kingdom, addicted and sober. Those who are rich and those who are poor, those who are attractive to what society says is attractive, and those who are repellent to the... Jesus is saying, everybody, come to the banquet. My kingdom is like me inviting you to a party or a wedding feast. And it's going to be wonderful. And so Jesus, what he does is he, he tries to create this atmosphere. He tries to say, guys, there's nothing that can disqualify you because I've done all the qualifying. There's nothing that can remove you because I've done all the including. And so let me tell you how Jesus actually does this. What Jesus does is he he sees that you and I are guilty of sin. And what the Bible doesn't do is that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat or pussyfoot around anything. What the Bible does is it says the way the things are. It doesn't go, oh, you're not that bad. No, the Bible says you're worse than you think. Which is a terrible thing to say to a guy like me because I think I'm pretty bad. In fact, I regularly tell you I'm the worst guy in this room. And so far, I have not met the person who's worse than me. Which is saying something in this room. <laughs> and so, I know, I know, if you're here and you go, but I'm a good person, you're just like, oh, no. Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. We've done that so many times, I can't even go over it. No, you're not. All right. But, but, but let's just say, so, so, so God says, God says, I see you as you are. I see your lies. I see your motivations. I see your deceit. I see the reason why you do things you do. I know, oh, that looked like a beautiful thing on the outside, but really, you just want it. And so God sees all the motivations and things like that, and he says, it's wicked. It's wicked. And he goes, there's a penalty for that. There's a penalty for that. And it's ultimate separation from God. And I'm telling you, that's that's incredible. Because we're here on this earth, and there's a thing called, the Bible says, common grace. That means God, we read it in the scriptures where it, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Right? You get that concept? In other words, and that was during agricultural times. And so rain, like we're city slickers, so we don't like rain. In agricultural times, it was all about the rain. Like, please make it rain. We need the crops, we need the, we need the livestock, we need all of these things to flourish, so we need the rain. And, and the Bible says that good things, provision, fall on those who love God and don't love God. That's here on earth. What eternity without God means, or what, what the Bible calls hell, that's eternity without God. It's like an eternity without hope. It's like a fraternity without rain if you're a farmer. And Jesus goes, I don't want that for you. He says, I don't want that. You deserve that, but I don't want it for you. But God is, listen to me, God is both just 
and merciful. Sometimes, depending on how we live or how our personality is, some of us lean towards the just part, and we call you Pharisees and legalists. And some of us lean on the mercy part, and we call you guys hell's angels and sinners, right? But the fact is, is that both are wrong. God is both, and if you lean too much on either side, you fall off. God is both just and merciful. But how could God be both just and merciful? That's a very difficult thing for someone to do because you would never, if my daughter, God forbid, got raped and murdered and then uh, went to, you know, and I was at the court, right? Like, and I was at the actual, actual court. And the judge looks at the guy and says, you're sorry? Are those, are those tears in your eyes? Ah, oh, okay, innocent. Go ahead, go out. Go out into the street. It would be impossible for me not to stand up and scream injustice. That, there's, that there was a horrible thing. So how could, how could God forgive? If God forgave with no justice, then he wouldn't be God. Or in fact, he wouldn't be good. And God gave justice, but no mercy, then too he wouldn't be good, nor God. What do you do? What do you do? In order for God to give justice, he still has to give mercy, or else we're all sunk. And in order for God to give mercy, he's got to give justice because, and then there's nothing but anarchy. And so what does God do? He goes, I got an idea. You deserve a punishment. You think you deserve a couple of years in jail? You think you deserve, you know, parole? Or you think you deserve, you think, what do you think you deserve? You think you deserve 25 years in jail? You think, no, 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 it's worse than that. You deserve the death penalty. And Jesus goes, that's what you deserve. And that's what you're going to get. And then he comes and takes the death penalty on himself. You got the death penalty when Jesus died on the cross. He takes on your penalty. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine going, you know, striking his gavel and going, the electric chair or lethal injection. And then he gets, takes off his robe and he goes, I'll go in your place. That's what God does. And what he does is he promises three things. He promises all of your sins forgiven. Someone say, all of your sins forgiven. All of your sins forgiven. A purpose for living. A purpose for living. And a place in heaven. Pretty good deal, right? That's not so bad. Now watch this. He goes, I'll take on the penalty. You're not a good person. Stop trying to convince yourself. Nobody around you believes it. Stop. I will die in your stead. I will die in your stead. You're not good if you're in Christ. You're forgiven. And you're forgiven, not at, a, at, not at a, oh, no big deal. That's why when people go, oh, don't worry, God will forgive me. Like as an excuse to sin, it always makes me cringe. It's like, ah, you don't know the high price that he paid. Beloved, if you can understand that, you understand the banquet. He's telling you, come around, come around. I've paid it all. It's all for you. It's all. But and then he says this impossible thing afterwards. 
He goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. Some of you think, you just, oh, my gosh, this, this mercy thing is so great. This is so wonderful. Uh, 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 there's a demand. I'm going to require something. Jesus, this is so wonderful. I, I would do anything. Oh, really? Anything? Good, good, good. Glad you said that. Because there's something here that I want you to respond to such an incredible thing. He says, and it's interesting, he gets, right, he says that, that parable about the banquet, everybody's coming around and everybody's following. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, I see you guys. Recovery House of Worship, I see you guys. Wow, almost every seat is full. This is so neat. That's great that you're all here. Oh, and you want to follow Jesus? That's good. He turns to them and he goes, if anyone, that means the person sitting in your seat, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, that person or such a person cannot be my disciple. In other words, not that they won't want to be, they simply can't be. Jesus is going after a lot of our loves. He's going, oh, wait, parental love? No, 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 no. Now, it's important. Let's talk about this word hate because that's the one that everybody gets kind of tripped up over. So let's not gloss over it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, someone say hate. hate. That's a strong word. So what does Jesus mean? Now, it's, now we have to, we, in other words, when we read the Bible, the Bible is a cohesive thought from God. And so it needs to, we, we have to understand how this makes sense to the rest of the book. Now, remember, the fifth commandment says what? Honor. Honor your mother and father. So Jesus would not want to contradict the fifth commandment. But he is saying something powerful. In fact, in, um, in, in uh, Genesis, I believe, we have um, uh, Jacob's greater love for Rachel more so than he loves Leah, right? And in fact, it says, oh, Rachel he loved, Leah he hated. Well, the Hebrew does not mean that he hated her, like was antagonistic towards her, was like, you know, hated. No, no, no. But that Rachel he loved so much more. That to compare it, comparatively speaking, there was no comparison, right? Has anybody here ever been, okay, so let me talk to a few addicts here, right? Because there might be like one or two of you in the room. And so let's see if have you, isn't it true, isn't it true that when you were caught up in the grips of addiction, isn't it true that you did things to the people that you loved, like stole money, took things? If anybody confronted you and said, you must hate, your, in your heart, you would be like, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I love them. Well, dude, you just stole the rent money. Girl, you just stole the VCR back when VCRs could be stolen. <laughs> And so you would say, no, 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 I don't hate, you just, you just, you don't understand. You would say something like, you don't understand. And what you would wind up saying is you would sound an awful lot like the Hebrew writers. You would say, I love this next hit so much that everything else has to be sacrificed in order for it to be. Now, when you do that, by the way, with anything of this world, it winds up hurting those you love around you. It's a different thing, though, when you do it in Christ. So Jesus is not talking about hostility 
Because there's two types of hate, right? He's not using like the common way we talk about hate, like hostility. Rather, he means comparatively. Like, I, isn't it true that in comparison to your love for my kids, you love your kids much more? Yes. Right? We don't like to say stuff like that, but it's true, right? You love your kids more than you love my kids. I know I love my kids more than I love your kids. <laughs> and I love your kids. But in fact, it would be like hate in comparison because the, the love that I have for my kids is so incredible. God is saying, you get into trouble when you put something other than Jesus in that first place. When everything other than anything other than Jesus is in that first place, you lose it all. He's giving you something to focus on. And if you don't, now he goes father and mother, so there's family love. And then he has uh, lovers, wives, and husbands. He has parental love. That's, you know, for your children. And then he goes on to say, listen, even, hate even your own life. That's wild, right? You see, we don't want to hear that kind of a gospel. In fact, we want to go to places where coming to Christ only blesses, only, no, 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 Jesus is going, hey, 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 no fine print here. Let me put the information up front. If you come to me, it's going to be nothing but pain and cross-bearing. Would you want to come to me still? Because, because for me to come to you was nothing but pain and cross-bearing. He says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Literally. Listen to me. You go, how could we do that? Are you, what do you, the commentators here say that, um, that what Jesus is saying here, what he means by carrying his cross, is simply identifying with a criminal. Identifying with a criminal. Do you know of anyone who was treated like a criminal who had to carry a cross? Do you know anyone? Have you ever heard of anyone like that who was treated like a criminal and had to carry his cross? Yeah. Listen to me. What he's saying there is that every day, every day you wake up in light of your real identity. Not crackhead, not addict, not, not hooker, not, not thief. No, no, no. I am one who belongs to the one who took the cross from me. I am living in light of his sacrifice for me. And some of us, we go, no, 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 I don't want to live for that. I'd rather live for that check that comes every week or month or whatever. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I wanted to, like, illustrate what I'm trying to tell you about how Jesus is better and that your whole lives need to be lived in light. Listen to me. Some of you... Some of us, uh, there's so many ways. Every time we sin, you know this. Every time we sin, we're saying there's something better than Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's nothing better than Jesus. Don't let any lover, don't let any financial gain, don't let anything, because remember, oh wait, he loved me so much. He was willing to go to the cross and die for me. He was willing to die for that shameful thing that I did in that car. 
for that shameful thing that they did to me in that room, for that shameful thing that I volunteered for, for the way I lied to my parents. He's dying for you. What he's saying is, is that he's done everything. Associate with yourself with the one who bared his cross for you. And you'll find, you'll find in him all that you need. So I thought, how can I illustrate this? And, and I thought about a rope. Rope representing, um, I got this from a guy by the name of uh, Francis Chan. He's a pastor in California. By the way, all pastors are thieves. We have no original thoughts. We all steal from each other. And so don't be too offended by that. Okay. And so, okay. Or I heard it, but I didn't see it. I heard it. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of. Um, George, would you help me, please? Okay. So imagine that this, come up here. Come up here. All right. This is actually a weight, but you don't have, you could give it a little slack, but don't pull it too hard because we attach it to a pipe and it will cost us a lot of money. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. All right. So now imagine, Chris, hold this just to give the illustration full. Okay. So imagine, imagine that the tip of this to right about here. Do you see this black mark, everybody? Yeah. All right, all right, do you guys see that black mark over there? Yeah. It's hard to see, okay. Imagine, you can barely see it, right? Okay, imagine that from here to here is the history of the universe. Billions and billions and billions and billions of years. We don't know how old the universe is. This is the history of the universe. You see this black marker here? Oh, let me stand over here. You see this black mark over here? This represents 100,000 years. That's what this one, the width of this mark represents 100,000 years. I mean, literally, the Ice Age happened, what, 10,000 years ago? Right? So you, you get what I'm saying here. 100,000 years. Now, in the width of this mark, can you point to your life? Point to your life. Go, where's your life here? No, 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 too far to the left. You're in the ice age. Point a little closer to the right. It's infinitesimally small. And in the microscopic dot that is your life, that exists on this thing, there's this other thing called eternity. Joy. And it goes on forever. It's forever. Jesus goes, here's what I want you to do. With your dot, I want you to live in light of eternity. I want you to live in light of eternity with your dot because it's insignificant here. And you're going, no, no, no. But you I mean, people drive me nuts. They go, they go, but you don't understand. I gotta get that car. I gotta get that girl back. Dude, it's a dot. Bro, you don't understand. It goes on forever. Like there's literally, like, like I don't know, what, what do we say? Billions and billions of years for this? So how many, it's just, you see how this goes on forever? And you're worried about your bills. You're going, I don't know if I can follow Jesus. I got to work some overtime. Because look, 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 look. The hundred years, your hundred years on this earth is not a dot on this thing. In fact, it would have to be a microscopic dot 
And you're going, but you don't understand, Jesus. I can't, I can't pursue you. She's so pretty. Are you kidding me? I can't, I can't. You want me to put my money in front of you? You want me to trust you and by giving 10%? I won't do it. My dot's too important. You, you mean you want all of my life? You're asking too much. This dot is so big to me. And you go, yeah, but Jesus, I have cancer. And I feel like this cancer is ravaging my body. Jesus is going, I know, but do you have no idea the glory that awaits you? That's why he could say, that's why the scriptures say, therefore, we do not lose heart, although outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Hate your mother. Hate your father. Hate your brother. Hate your sister. He's giving you, I don't even know how to shoot it any straighter than this guy. He's giving you it all. The thing that you're so concerned about, the thing that you're willing to sell Jesus out, oh no, but my sexuality, it's all that I am. Oh no, my wealth, it's all that I am. Oh no, but my marriage, it's all that I am. It's all a microscope, a microscopic dot in comparison to the beauty and the wonder that God has all for you. Hate it in comparison to his love. Hate it in comparison to his joy. Nothing compares to Jesus. Thanks, guys. Oh, man, that was great. That was amazing. Who cares? Who cares if you go back to your life? Who cares if you go back to your life living the same way? Woo, that rope, I remember that rope. What was that scripture? I don't know. But that rope was something cool. Said it about the universe. Who cares? We're talking about your life. What are you going to do with the next 50 years? Yeah? Yeah? This is you? Let me see if I can find it in all of eternity. Yeah? This is what you're going to live for? Yeah? That, that, that romance? Yeah? It's, oh, yeah, 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 but you don't understand. Money. Yeah. I understand. I understand clearly. So. For those of you who don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. And if you haven't figured that out by the rest of this sermon, there's nothing I can do to tell you now. <laughs> Come to Jesus. What are you waiting for? Oh, I know. I know. You know what you're waiting for? You're waiting for your kids to come to Christ so that you can come to Christ together. No, no, no. Oh, no, I know, I know. You're waiting for, you're waiting for to get your act together and get clean. Yeah, just, just not drink anymore, not use anymore. Then you can come to Jesus. That makes sense. Or, or you're waiting for the mother of them all. You're waiting for tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll give my life to Jesus. Beloved, 
give your heart to Jesus. And then those of you who are already in Christ, stop nickel and diming him. Listen to me. If my wife leaves me, if my wife leaves me, if I, then my kids reject me, and then my body starts re- coming against me and starts falling apart and I start losing my mind, who cares? I've got all of eternity. Not that I don't cry. Not that I don't hurt. Not that I'm not wounded. But you do understand we're speaking comparatively. No, no, no. You don't understand the kids, the kids. So, here's what I know. You and I could live in light of Jesus because most importantly, he lived in light of you. Everything that, you know who actually did this? Jesus. Jesus literally felt the separation from Father. He literally picked up his cross for you. He literally picked up his cross. He was literally the only innocent. You know how like um, uh, people say, um, you know, um, You know, why do bad things happen to good people? That literally only happened once, and he volunteered. He takes up his cross, and he's thinking about your Saturday night. He's thinking about your alcoholic binge. He's thinking about what you're thinking about, your everything you think about that you feel is like a right and is like your identity. Oh, no, 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 my education and all this other stuff. And he's saying, listen to me, education is good. Marriage is good. Money is good. So long as it's submitted. So long as it's under. So long as it's Jesus is the primary. So, in 30 seconds, I'm going to ask those of you who do not know Jesus, who have never surrendered their hearts to Christ, those of you who do know Jesus should be praying right now for those who do not. I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's what you'll be standing for. To identify with Christ because he identified with you. And so what's salvation? Salvation is as easy as A, B, C. We say this all the time, but I'll say it again. It's A, agree with God. Just agree with God about what he says about who you are. Just agree with God. Yep, you're right, I'm a sinner. Yep, you're right, I'm grimy. You know what? I was focusing my attention on him because he needs so much help, but now I see it's me. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Jesus, you don't need to fix him. You need to save me. Agree with God about who you are. You're a sinner. Yep, it's true. It's bad news. I know. A, agree with God. B, believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and promises to be with you every moment of every day so that even the sacrifices that you make will be a joy. There'll be a sense of joy because you'll be, he'll be with you even in those sacrifices that you'll make. And they're so infinitesimally small. And then C, commit your body to him. Let Jesus be the boss of your body. Let your thoughts, let your words, let the places your hands, the, the places your feet go and your hands do, let all of that be under the rule and the authority of Christ. My prayer is that you would come to him.
So in about five seconds, every demon in hell is telling you, don't stand, don't stand. Why are you going to stand? You're going to no, you'll do this, you know, uh, when you're kids or when you, you, you get your act together or God forbid. Listen, you come to Jesus now. For those of you who want to receive Christ in this moment, you stand. Awesome. 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 Praise God. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Now stay standing. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. As a church, stay standing. Here's the deal. And this church, we want to help you guys grow. We want to serve you and love you. And so, so the good news is that you don't have to do this on your own. This whole cross-bearing thing, it's all, it's all walking together and learning about it together. And you won't be abandoned and you won't be let alone. We'll do it together. And so I encourage you. This is great. Let's, let's praise God for these guys. Awesome. Now, what I need you guys to do, super important, what I need you guys to do is you have a yellow card. Everybody should fill out your yellow card. It's the basis by which we pray for you. You guys could sit down, but fill out this yellow card and say, I received Christ today for the first time. And just go ahead and fill that out. And you put your name in there, and then you check it off. And even if you didn't stand, but you want to receive Christ, you could just check that off. And, <clears throat> and what we'll do is we'll try to serve you with all our heart. If you have a phone number, put as much information as you feel comfortable with. We'll never ask you for money through those cards. We'll never do that. We'll just want to serve you and help you. Now, um, quick deal. Listen to me. I'm going to preach this very same message in the Bronx. If you know of people who need to hear, be reminded, would you just, here's the thought, be inconvenienced and bring them yourself. Don't just invite them. Don't just throw a Facebook shout. I mean, do that if you want. But at 2626 Tremont Avenue at 5 p.m., the Bronx is having a service. I'm preaching the same service. Pick them up. Let's go. Let's, let's all start now with putting Jesus first. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that you love us far better than we deserve. And so, Lord, would you just remind us of this? Remind us that you are far better, that when our body starts falling apart, that when our marriage starts going south, when our kids rebel and hurt us in ways that we never thought we could be hurt. Remind us, oh God, that you took on all that pain yourself on the cross. Remind us of your love. Remind us that you have called us to be a peculiar people, your people. And so help us, O oh God, to be surrendered and live in light of eternity. Not living, being disappointed because you didn't give us what we really wanted. Lord, change our hearts to really want Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.